Mind Hood and Evil. We're your host. I'm Mike. That's Chris. What's up? Slim. What are we getting into today? Man, you already know what it is, man. Before we even start, I just want to go ahead and let everybody know that you should go ahead and follow Beyond Hood and Evil. If you ain't following Beyond Hood and Evil on the IG page, on the Spotify page, on the Apple Podcast page, you're doing yourself a disservice. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead and hit us up on Instagram at Beyond Hood and Evil. Make sure you follow the page and share the page with a friend. Am I saying that we're going to blow up your feed? No. <laughs> Am I saying that we're going to be posting content that you need to know, though? Yes. If you're listening to us right now on Spotify, make sure you hit that follow button and rate us. If you can't rate us, that just means you ain't listened to enough episodes. So make sure you double up, play a few, and then come back and rate us. If you're listening on Apple, make sure you hit subscribe and rate us. And if you're listening on neither of those platforms, do the same damn thing. All right, let's get into it. Man, you already know what it is, Beyond Hood and Evil. And today for the hood of it, we're talking about for us, by us, and what it means to be canceled for things seem to be uncancelable. That's even a word. <laughs> As Mike and I have really been doing this podcast, the world has really become a very different place than where we started. Like mm-hmm. there's been political uprisings. <laughs> there's been an election of someone who seems to be on a downward spiral with dementia. <laughs> there's been a war, a literal war has broken out in the free European world, which you got the, you know what I'm saying? You got the cabbage eating whites fighting the bratwurst eating whites. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the potato eating whites. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's going crazy out there, bro. It's going crazy. And, and then, you know, but the biggest thing in the world is that we got a Smith smacking a rock. That's the big, I mean, come on, man. What, what's going on with our priorities? So that's what we get into it today, for today, man. Chris, I appreciate that. Like, <laughs> you sent me an article and um, I read it and apparently it was kind of old news, but I think it's kind of like coming back around with cancel culture, specifically Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it, is, it is known news that one of the leaders, if not the founder, I believe, took the money that was collected by BLM and bought a straight mansion with it. So I have a question, Chris, because I, I feel a couple ways about this. There's a part of the cancel culture. You got the white ring media and conservatives, et cetera, that would want to cancel Black Lives Matter. They've been trying to find any reason to cancel Black Lives Matter, but they won't be able to, right? Because that would just be falling into the entire two to three year discussion that we've been having online with all of our society being a part of it. We've been talking about race and class and all this shit for eons, but like everybody joined the conversation in like 2020. So with white ring conservatives, et cetera, trying to cancel Black Lives Matter, that was never going to happen because it would just fall right into the conversation of white people trying to ruin Black things, Mm. right? The challenge, though, there is when you have Black people who, although they are steeped in doing things that uplift the Black community, they still take on behaviors as the others. Yes. And what happens when, and this is the question, what happens when our Black leaders who are doing things to uplift us, then show us that they are, in many cases, no better than the ones who have been holding us back this whole time. And when we do give money to these things, like Black Lives Matter, they take it and they do as they please. They buy mansions with it, not give it back to the movement. Is that not a problem, Chris? I don't, I don't get what you... Is that not worth being... Is that not, being, it's not, is that not worth being canceled? Can, can, like, white people were trying to cancel Black Lives Matter for so long. And now I'm thinking, you know... Now that this is at my doorstep, because now black people are infuriated about this. Are black people going to cancel their own movement? Are we going to cancel our own movement, BLM, because of 
the founder using that bread to buy a crib? Listen, man, to me, she did the thing that all people do when you are oppressed, which is what? What's the goal of anyone who's oppressed? <laughs> Get nice things. No, buy nice things. Have to become nice things. an oppressor. What are we talking about? <laughs> hey, you know, but you don't know that you're becoming, or at least you don't think that you're becoming a, an oppressor. The oppressed become the oppressor. We know that, but I don't think people know that when they're becoming it. Why do people who are bullied in high school become police officers? The revenge? The oppressed becoming an oppressor. Why did slaves become free and then get slaves? Mm. The oppressed becoming an oppressor. That's who. Last one. Why do black people work in finance and then not help other black people understand money. <laughs> you got it. I'm just saying, it just, these, and I'm just using it for, just because we talk about Black Lives Matter, I just use the police mm-hmm. and then black people, money, because that lines up to what we're talking about, then mm-hmm. black people, slaves, and slavery. Because those are all the things that black people talk about. We ain't got no money. We are slaves and police trying to kill us. That's what we always talk mm-hmm. about. So I say all that to say, she did what she's supposed to do. She got her bag up and she got further and further away from you. You know what I'm going to say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she, got, she got all the way out the way. You know what I'm saying? She got her in her gated community with her $6 million house, which is not even really a lot of money in the area she live in. I feel like that's probably on the lower mm-hmm. end of the spectrum, which is crazy to say because people are losing their mind. Oh my gosh, she bought a $6 million house. This man, it's mm-hmm. apartment buildings that people buy, like apartment apartments and buildings that people buy that $6 million. Like, Mm-hmm. You know, she live in a gated community, but she right by the gate. It ain't like she up in the hill. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like she not. You know what I'm saying? But and and the main thing that we all we all fail to talk about is uh, can you cancel her? No. Why not? Why not? Because she's a woman, and you and, <laughs> and cancel culture. We don't cancel women <laughs> because women don't have a place in society where they have power. That's why. And I just want to point that out. There's been a number of things that have happened. And no one's been held accountable except men. <laughs> That's crash. But in all honesty, I feel, I feel like the main reason we can't cancel her is because, you know, what did we expect? <laughs> what did we expect? Because everyone says that they, the Black Lives Matter was fundraising. Uh, I think there's a difference between fundraising and collecting. And mm. I feel like that's the real rub here. <laughs> how do you, how does a decentralized Political, a political organization that's deeply entrenched in a political fight for the lives of people and the sovereignty of an individual versus a societal systemic prejudice fundraise effectively if it's decentralized. Money has centralization. There's much, there has to go, it has to go into a pool, which means it will become centralized. It just so happened that the person that we pool the money with isn't a financial like leader like that. She, she's not one who is able to run an organization, so it seems, but she is someone who's able to galvanize people. It's almost like the idea of when you have, think about like a Jay-Z and a Dame Dash. As much as people publicize the failings of Dame Dash's personality, you can't poo-poo his business acumen. Jay-Z needed Dame Dash to be the business side so that he could focus on the creative, so he could focus on being the media magnet and mogul that he became. When you think of any relationship, Especially when it comes to trying to move people, you always have people that's behind the scenes and people that's in front of the camera. And mm-hmm. if it's a decentralized movement, that means there needs to be a lot of people behind the scenes. But you never really heard about that because all you were here is where is this money going? But people kept giving it money. And that's the mm-hmm. thing that I dislike about this thing. Like, what would you expect? What do you do expect any regular person who is probably living paycheck to paycheck to do if they suddenly come into, let's call it $20 million? Mm-hmm. 
and and not only is it twenty million dollars that she's coming into, let's say she's like monthly, let's say monthly, she's grossing it's an additional million every month. Let's just and that's what the high side is probably close to probably like to one hundred and fifty two hundred thousand every month. Mm-hmm. So if that's what's happening to a person that's never seen money or had money before, what you think they're going to do? Look at every person that's from the hood. They get bread. The first thing they do is buy a car and a bunch of clothes and a house they can't afford. <laughs> every NFL player go through it so much so that there's now a whole financial planner occupation just for professional athletes. That's nuts. That's nuts. Why All the stuff in all these careers, we have people that always, it's always people of color or people that's in a, from a lower caste or a lower class they end up getting into these situations where they suddenly become a wealthy person and then we pull them for not knowing how to use their money correctly. Mm-hmm. Bro, where's the class? You don't learn it in school. You're just supposed to know. You could, I'm going to ask my Mima. Your Mima don't graduated from fifth grade. That means she dropped out. You know what I'm saying? She didn't even make it to middle school. How's she going to teach you how to run a business? Like, what are we doing? And that's not to mm-hmm. say that she can't, that those people couldn't back in the day because they definitely did. But those are, few, those are few and far in between. You know, you don't hear about stuff like that. So as much as people say they want to cancel her, I don't see it happening, man. I think they're just going to charge it to the game. You know, Chris, this is interesting because I'm going to just throw myself in here real quick. You know, uh, I make a little bit of money. Uh, I make some I make, I make, I make some good money. And I hear your point, though, because whenever I talk to my mother about money, one, I, can, I don't get to see her face because we do phone calls, but I could imagine she takes a step back. She's just like, yo, what? <laughs> like, what do you make? And then when I try to humanize it and make it normal, it still doesn't really matter because I'm talking about all the bills you got to pay and why X salary only gets you this and why X bills turn your salary from this to that. Um, but all she heard was the max number. Like, yo, you make, you make bread. And then from there, if there's any advice that I need, I'm not getting it from my mom. <laughs> I'm not getting it from, from, from pretty much anybody in my, in my like family yes. circle. I have to go out of that family circle to get any advice on his capital. The next step from that is if you're going outside your circle, you then have to go outside your circle to somebody who understands the playing field that you're operating in, right? Because you can't go to a friend who's not seeing the numbers that you're seeing <laughs> because they're going to be so focused, just exactly. like my mom, on that number, mm-hmm. right? They're not going to be focused on the, the challenge that you're trying to navigate, which is now that I have <clears throat> this capital, now that I have excess capital, I'm trying to figure out how to best place it to grow it. You talk about investments, whether it's a home, whether it's the stock market, whether it's NFTs or whatever it may be. Um, and then you talk about, you know, all the things you should do in, for pure safety. So you're talking about IRA, you're talking about retirement accounts, just to, just to keep it easy. And then you talk about all your rainy day savings, right? You know, what you need just in case. Like you can, you can, you can do that. You can have these conversations. You can read a lot of articles to get there. But at the end of the day, you need somebody to guide you through that. Right to to ensure that you make the best decision. So I hear where you're coming from as it relates to uh, the founder now being flush with cash and doing what most people do when they have cash. Mm-hmm. Now, the challenge that I have with this, Chris, though, is that this cash didn't come from merit. It didn't come because this individual earned it based on what they were producing or they were doing. This money came in. They were flush with cash because of a social issue that they were steeped in and were projected to solve. Although there were countless things written and said about the institution around how can it really do this work in an effective way because it is decentralized, because you don't want to get the head cut off the snake like many other Black institutions were removed or were shattered 
You mean all other black organizations? <laughs> it happens all with up. every like we gonna keep it a bean. Every black organization get caught get caught for this embezzlement. It happened every single time. And if you advance the movement, then they murder the leader. So in some way, shape, or form, it happens. But Chris, because of that, and you got straight to my point. Shouldn't we know better at this stage if we've seen this happen over and over? It's like the difference between like, you know, the definition of insanity. What, what do people say? What's the saying? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yeah. Right. Kind of crazy. So if this individual has seen the track record and they know they're steeped in a social issue that's been tackled by the greats, some of the greatest black lives before this individual, be, you know, greatest generations before us in the early 1900s, all the way to the 50s and the 60s. You've seen this happen before. Shouldn't she have taken a different approach Bro. to avoid these same catastrophic issues? Where's the accountability there? The accountability is this, man. There's a thin line between pimps and pastors. That's a thin line. There's a thin line between pimps and pastors. What? Think about it, bro. Who go to church more than anybody? Black people. Who become pimps more than anybody? <laughs> Who's the primary funding source of both entities? Black women. Let's keep it a bean. Damn. Okay. Black pimps get black women. And then black and then black pimps get big enough where they start only dealing with white women. Let's keep it a bean. Black churches get black women. And when they get big enough, they expand to white people. Like, what, what are we talking about? Look, T.D. Jakes. This man is the biggest, what, one of the biggest pastors in the world. He's a worldwide phenomenon. He don't only, he don't only pastor and preach to black people. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? As much, it's because his message is now, it's now about you being universal. It's the same, man, I think that the main thing that we need to recognize is that black people always need a leader. As much as we always say, we are not a monolith. We've been, I think that's a theme of this season. We are not a monolith, mm. right? But when it comes to certain things, we just galvanize around to issues and topics together. Like the fact that everyone's, like everyone at the same time became woke. It just suddenly became cool to be caring about people. Mm. Why is it cool now to care about people? Isn't that something we all should have been doing? It's true. People was getting killed. I remember I told this story multiple times. Me and my friends, I talked to my childhood friends when Black Matter start, started first. Happening when they first killed, I was like, man, everybody had the same consensus, man. What was this when we was growing up? People was getting killed every single Friday. It was a thing. So many mm -hmm. people was down in our neighborhoods. They had a wall of remembrance and they would put new pictures up every week of a young black man who was killed by other young black men in the community. And we was all like, and it used to be bugged out. Like he got to the point like, yo, be safe. That's what be safe became. The, like it used to be like, all right, bye bye. But then it became be safe, bro. Cause you mm -hmm. had to really let people know, like that's the most concerning thing I could tell you. Like my endearing comment, the last thing I want to say to you is be safe because I care about you. I want you to make it home, bro. Like it became a thing like, yo, when you get home, call me, bro. Mm -hmm. And and it, like when you, you, we kids saying that to mm -hmm. each other, like when you, when you get home, make sure you give me a call though. What you mean? Just cause I know you're walking down the street. You're walking down the street. I need you to call me to make sure so I can know that you made it home walking down the street because you could die. And I don't want to make sure that you make it home. I want to put my blessing on you by saying, I need you to call me like that. Mm. Maybe that'll guard you from the bullets that you may encounter. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you, nah, you can't kill him. You know, he got to call Chris. He got to call Chris Kiego before he get in the house, you know, or vice versa. Chris Kiego got called um, Deontay before we get in the house or Isaiah before we get in the house. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, it don't really mm -hmm. make sense, but it feel good to say. So people know that you care about them. So, I, and I say that to say this, the reason why we keep falling into the same traps is because that's what we always have. All our leaders do the same thing. Anybody who wasn't that has always been an outlier every single time. 
When mm. Martin Luther King first came out, he was an outlier. As much as he's propped up now because of the sacrifice he made, when he was doing all the civil rights stuff, people wasn't really following him. They wasn't. The same thing with Malcolm X. When Malcolm X was doing all this stuff, the inter- internally, the organizations that always encompass or envelop these things always see these people as an outsider who gets big removed from the organization that's supposed to be doing it. And I'm not saying that to disparage any historically known black organizations, specifically ones that are clients. So I'm not going to say which organization, <laughs> but I know an organization that, that they just don't like these things happen and then they let it happen outside of them. And then they get, they throw money at it because they're the big bro organization. And that's what always happens. Even with the black lives Matter thing, the biggest, the first real big fund that they had was democracy Alliance. They gave them $200,000. That's a big deal. That's mm-hmm. a big deal from a, a basically a grassroots quote unquote organization. But at the same time, this grassroots quote unquote organization had national press. Mm-hmm. So it made sense politically for Democracy Alliance, who was trying to run a political candidate, a, de- a Democratic political candidate who was trying to get cultural cachet with the black voter mm-hmm. constituency at that time to say, you know what? We support Black Lives Matter. Let's give them $200,000. But at the same time, they're probably paying two million dollars to affirm to get white organizations just saying that's, yeah. and that's how it typically goes that's how and i'm not saying that as someone who works in an organization that i have insider knowledge about how this works now by working in these organizations it's like oh these organizations really don't care about us mm. they really don't they come to us 30 days out they do a but they dump a bunch of money which we think is, black people think is a bunch of money it's not it's a drop in the bucket compared to the budget that they spent on ads that run on c-span and other channels that nobody that's like you or me watch mm-hmm. to get to the people that really matter. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they're politicking and lobbying people that really count. So I say all that to say, my, to wrap this all up, the Black Lives Matter thing, this was down, this was bound to happen because it was no leadership for real. It was just somebody who was popular, who became very popular, who got thrust into the limelight and basically just took advantage because if you're going to keep giving me money, I'm going to keep spending it. Look at the church. Look at pimps. Mm. It's no reason that a pastor should be driving a Mercedes when everybody got cast the bus to the church. Mm. It don't make sense. The, the, the pastor got several, he got a new suit every day of the year. He got 52 suits, but the kids in the back, they got to wear t-shirts and they, they got to share clothes. Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Same thing with pimps, you know? And I'm not, I'm never, I'm never going to disparage the pimping. Never. <laughs> but, you know, I could disparage pastors, but I never disparage the pimping because that's an option. You opt into their lifestyle. That's your fault. You got pimped on, that's your fault. You know, your father failed you. So I, I say all that to say, yeah, man, I, I don't, I, it's nothing we can do really about it. All we got to do is just hope we can push past it and hope that they don't cancel this because if they cancel Black Lives Matter, it's going to be a moment like, huh, we should have never gave you money. <laughs> and Chris, that that's where I wanted to tee up with it. It was kind of shaking in the beginning, but it was it was like, do black people cancel Black Lives Matter? Because that's the only way it could be canceled. White people can't do it. It's just, it, it won't be done by them. They've been trying for so long. They just can't. Right, especially with diversity, equity, inclusion running rampant through organizations. And I say that in a cheeky way, but also in a serious way. It's very necessary to understand how those three things individually help shift our society. They shouldn't be the only three things, right? Because diversity for some people only means race, (laughs) right? Some people still don't, some people don't really understand equity, right? Some people think about equality and they're like, well, why are we aiming for that, right? And then you talk about what it means to be inclusive. Right. You, you got people who are fighting against pronouns. <laughs> so that's just so many other things out there that we need to do to make this society what we want it to be. And, and those three letters are one of them, but it's running rampant now. Right. And so uh, when I when I think about 
BLM, it's the only way it can be canceled if Black people cancel it. So would we cannibalize our own message? <laughs> because we see that some of our leaders are taking on the actions, some of the perspectives of our oppressors. I think it's a no. I think it's too much of a risk and I don't think we'd do it. I don't think, I wouldn't push us to do it, but I don't think we can. What I would love to see is a solution. Now that we know this, now what are we going to do? Because there is, because there is immense, like the brand here is redeemable. It still, it resonates. You still have people with signs in their homes that say BLM, Black Lives Matter. There's so many implications for it. I think it can be redeemed. I guess for me, I'm really thinking about the how, because it should. To me, the quickest way to redeem this is to remove the lady who founded it. She mm-hmm. has to be removed from any fund that, or any funds that Black Lives Matter collects from here on out. Should she be, should the people that founded it be given an advisory role where they get a stipend or an honorarium? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I feel like that's what should happen for taking this thing and really making it what it is. But then at some point there needs to be some, dare I say, young person mm. that's really industrious, that's out here moving and shaking. And I would, I would challenge it to say that Black Lives Matter has a network of people. There needs to, there has to be some fire superstar, rock star organized out there that's really out here pushing the narrative, that's able to take that over and just run it into the moon. You know what I'm saying? Put it like, take this thing that's on the earth and just take it into outer space. Um, Because the real goal, if anyone is paying attention for the past, I guess, 12 years, is that black people need to have a political electorate, like someone who's able to galvanize us all into a real voting block so we can make Mm. active change in our communities. And I'll never not champion voting. And this is mm. and this is something that I, I remember when I was growing up, I used to do a lot of testifying and trying to edify people about the importance of getting involved and voting and doing this stuff in my community. And it used to be so hard because every all your favorite artists, all your favorite role models say voting don't matter, voting don't matter, mm-hmm. voting don't matter. And it's because they start talking about from a financial standpoint, like you just need to get your money up. If you get your money up, it don't matter what's going to happen. But that's been proven time and again that you can get as much money as you want once a nigga, you always a nigga. Like, what we doing? So you know, the reason why you see all these other groups getting so much leeway and so much political cachet and making all these leaps and bounds off the back of the civil rights agenda is because they all realize that you got to vote. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's keep it a beam, man. Gay people vote. Always. They always vote. They vote people out and they vote people in. Always. Latino people, the, the, the ones who can, vote in large swaths overwhelmingly Republican, which is the wildest thing, but it's real. It's a real thing. Uh, people that get become naturalized citizens, like people that come here, immigrate, become citizens, they vote. And that's why you have so many progressive things that's happening for these other communities. And then Black people, we don't like to vote for some reason because the, the narrative is that the government is out to get you anyway. They're going to make any decision they want anyway. And you can look around and see that. But the re- that, that, that whole, that's a circular thinking because the reason why they could do whatever you want is because we're not engaged. So not voting. I wish that some of that money was given to, honestly, I was listening to my brother podcast, you know, with he and Brandon, with the Verified podcast and Brandon, um, he's a really bright, bright guy, man. He suggested that they, took, took, they should have took that money and funneled it into the HBCUs and set up scholarships at high performing HBCUs and pay for people who want to as an incub- set up an incubator to send kids into law school for free. I say, yo, mm. 
that's a fire idea. That's exactly what he could have did. Because then you'd have had this whole generation of really, really civically minded and engaged leaders, like future leaders that understand law, that's able to really get involved in politics and understand how to make active change and could eventually, even if they don't run or even if they don't win or they just win something small, they can still have the cachet and the understanding to be like, yo, we can do this, we can do that, we can do this, we can do that. And now that's kind of been poo-pooed this 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 smudge on a Black Lives Matter brand. But I don't think that the brand is destroyed. Again, because it's a woman. Yeah. I do want to take that point a little further, though. I like that what you said about B. I'm thinking about the three E's right now. You got the Esquires, which you just talked about, the lawyers. Uh, but then you have the educators. I mm. think we have to have many more Black people participating in education. I know it's not flashy. I know it's not glitzy. But it will pay the bills. And I think it will pay the bills if most educators can receive their education at no or low cost. Yeah. And what I mean by that is scholarships, grants, make it really affordable for a black woman or man, brown woman or man, to go and get an education, to then go into a teacher development program without any debt, so that if they are paid fifty to sixty thousand dollars to be a teacher, all of that goes towards real life expenses, not loans, right? If you got credit card debt and all that, that's on you. <laughs> like, yeah. You did that to get yourself. your life. Get your life. <laughs> get your life. You know. <laughs> but like when we're talking about systems, right, that are being imposed on you because it is said that you need to go and acquire you know, a bachelor's in order to even compete in the professional market. If you can go and get a free education, that should allow you, that's that equity piece. That should allow you one level step up. The third E is entrepreneurs. I think Mm -hmm. we do need to invest in more black and brown entrepreneurs. And I see it a lot because I'm in that world, right? I'm one of them, but I don't really want to see more entrepreneurs that are trying to make more Facebooks and Metas, right? Or making their own like social media channels. I scrap that shit. Like, create things that will truly have a social impact, right? We talk about all the things that we don't have access to. We talk about all the things that we don't understand. You think about all the resources, and this is my inside baseball from what work that I do, Chris. Like you think about all of the, the money that comes from philanthropy, all of the money that comes from federal and state and local government, all of that shit is accessible. They make it really difficult through the application period, whether it's a business or an individual, to mm. access that capital. So why don't we create systems? Why don't we create our own books? Like, you know, the green book for like where you should go and what you should not. Why don't we create our own green book for what it means to be able to apply and successfully acquire a federal grant, a state grant, a local grant, for philanthropic, philanthropic channels? There are answers to all of these things. And so- what I will say is the reason is why I said earlier, though, why don't you see black people that understand finances teaching black people about finance? Because it could only be one. And what I like to tell people is I don't want to be the first and I don't want to be the only. Mm-hmm. That's an issue for me. I can be the first. Mm-hmm. That's cool to an extent, but I don't want to be the only. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to be the best. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I'll take being the best, but I cannot be the only. Because that is a problem. And so for me, I understand a young black man, young black woman, go ahead and get your bread. Yeah, I get it. But as you said, there's a limit. There's a limit, especially when you don't understand laws and how people can then impose their state-based laws on what you can and cannot make based on whatever your entrepreneur venture is. Yeah. Right? And, and it also may hurt you on the back end when you try to distribute any capital behind the scenes to your family if you don't understand how these laws work. So Chris, that's why I want to look at those three E's. Like you need the law, you need the Esquires, you need the educators. I also think you need entrepreneurs like myself, like you who are really trying to find different ways to innovate that actually allow for a social impact. I'll wrap it up with this. I am not suggesting at all that all, and I, I'm not suggesting, and I am 
<laughs> I am very aware that not all social impact ventures means that you have to sacrifice capital. I think that that is a myth, that is a fallacy. There are things that have a great, immense social impact, but we do not challenge those things because it's much harder to do because there's far greater implications for understanding the social impact that your business can have. Mm. But I think once you understand what you can do, when you start an auto shop, and you add an educational component to it where you teach other people in your community how to eventually open their own auto shop or you have your own professional development where you can then train up individuals so that they can be an auto mechanic. You go online or work with people around you to find what scholarships are available at local two-year universities to help people get some training so that they can then come to you and get that professional development and be an auto mechanic in three years with Mm -hmm. no and low debt. These are simple things that people can actually implement that'll have a social impact. So while they chase their bread at the auto shop working on premier luxury cars, go ahead and do that. But this is how you develop talent. This is how you develop talent in your community. And this is how you get them paid with low and no cost debt that they would have to accrue in order to get that education to be in your facility. And maybe they go off and create their own thing. And you may take 5% charge for them opening up their own little shop for the first three years because you help them do it. There's so many ways. <laughs> There's so many ways to do this from a social impact perspective. And Chris, this is what I spend my lifetime and my nine to five kind of figuring out. And even post 5 p.m., this is where I'm really dedicating my time is let's find the answers to help educate and level the playing field so that we all can go off into whatever our ventures are and get that bread, but also help everyone else access that capital and the resources they need. So Chris, man, I think on, from a cancel culture perspective, man, I agree with you. Like, we got to do something different. Hey, man, I, think- I, I, I want people to piggyback on what you said, though. You had the three E's, you know what I'm saying? I like the things in threes, too. You know, I got about the three I's, you know? The inter- uh-huh. interrupters, mm-hmm. innovators, mm-hmm. and influencers. You know what I'm saying? You can't have the E's without them I's, man. You know what I'm saying? But you got to put, and, but there's no I's before E's. Only except not the C's, man. You know what I'm saying? So you got, you know what I'm saying? Put Carib, you know what I'm saying? So, you got, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, I just, I just want to put that out there too. Like as much as we always talk about those things, because I feel like that's the dichotomy. You, we always think about specifically people like you, Mike, like you are, you are, mm-hmm. you are a strategist. Like you structure things in your mind. You, you think of things programmatically and then you mm-hmm. like, but I'm on the opposite side. I don't think of things programmatic. I think of things, you know, I, I shouldn't say that. I think of things programmatically, but I mm-hmm. also, but I, I, I put more value or more weight on how things are presented. Because if you can't, if it's not presented in a proper context, it don't matter mm-hmm. how much good, how many good educators, how many good entrepreneurs, and how many good. We said we said esquires, but you can go lawyers. Esqu- yeah, esquires. Yeah, but esquires. It don't matter how many you, those people you got that's doing that's got the foundation. If it ain't got enough influencers to push it, and don't got enough interrupters to really get it out there, and enough innovators to take it to the next level, it's never mm-hmm. going to really get where it need to go. So I think that that's the that's the marriage that you need to have, and I feel like that's the real thing that's missing. I feel like without that idea of those things working in conjunction, it's going to be hard for us to ever really get where we want to go. Fair enough. And, you know, Chris, I know I'm typically one that's getting my profound bag. And when I listen back to these tapes, I'm like, you know, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm getting the, the nuggets that the gems that Chris be dropping because he be dropping them. But I like the I like the three I's and the three E's, yeah. you know what I mean? And respect the C, if you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Actually, I, 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 I don't want no problems. I don't want a problem. I don't want no beef. Um, I'm powerful no signal. <laughs> I don't want no beef. But talking about cancel culture, man, since I, I want to stay here a little bit, but switch speeds. Right. Because we, we, we talked about a pretty heavy one, you know, Black Lives Matter. 
Um, but I also want to talk about corny niggas. You know what I mean? Oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> okay. And, and we try and we trying to cancel them. You know, because in some people's books, I might be one. I might be corny. I might be corny. Chris, you know, I don't really think I'm corny. It's, and it's, a lot it's, of it's really just a shape up, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> might be walking around without getting the shape up for months at a time, and you know that's the that's the premier sign of someone who is what a corny Negro. You know what I'm saying? You can't walk around <laughs> without having a crispy lineup. You know, might just be letting it go crazy. Frederick Douglass. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to point that out, you know? See, and that's, the, and that's the issue right here. It's all about perspective. You got the wrong seat. You said corny nigga. I'm a comfortable nigga. That's what I'm comfortable where I'm at in life, what I'm doing, you know? He's like, I, I'm going to clean up. He's kept. Mike is kept. He's a kept husband. He's a kept man. You know what I'm saying? The goal of a lot of men out there nowadays, he's a kept, you know, back in the day, he used to be kept women. I mean, yeah, but now it's kept men. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mike is kept. He's put up. <laughs> Mike is put up, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I'm saying? And and, and another kept one in, in the family is Russell Wilson. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and, and, and I'm, I'm hearing online, um, on the Instagrams and the other places, that my man Russell is corny. Chris, wh- how, how is Russell Wilson corny? Russell Wilson is corny because he's nice. His public persona is that of a young Will Smith. He's someone who's not seen as dangerous or problematic. He does what he's supposed to do. He... He drinks his Ovaltine, eats his Wheaties, <laughs> goes to work, he comes home. You never hear about him being out there with no models. He never in no nonsense. Never yeah. doing any shenan- He never on no nonsense. He's never doing any shenanigans. He's always mm-hmm. doing right by people. Even on his, even as a Seahawk, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He always did right by his people. Only goofy players when he had, when he threw it instead of giving it to Marshawn so he could have won that second one. That's the only goofy <laughs> thing on his record. Goofy you know, ass. but I'm gonna I'm put that, I'm gonna put that up on CTE. That was just a little bit of CTE right there. I, was, child, I don't care what they, the I don't care what the coach would have told me. I'd have said this motherfucker's running for twelve yards a, a carry. I'm giving it to him. We right in front of the goal. I don't give up. Coach, you're wrong. Click. Listen, we're gonna pass it to Marshawn. Everyone protect him. We were gonna get this touchdown. I don't care what the coach is saying. He can cut me tomorrow. I'm gonna be a two time Super Bowl champion. What do you say? I'm a legend. Thousand <laughs> so, percent. I think that's really what it is, man. He's just a nice dude. He never on nothing that's traditionally toxic. And I feel like if we're really talking about it, that's what makes him corny. He's not toxic. And also, I think about the people who are saying this too. Like, who's, who is calling who corny? You know what I mean? Is it the ones who subscribe to the toxic behavior and aren't getting the results that they wanted? Right? They aren't getting the women that they wanted because they subscribe to the toxicity. Um, are they jealous? Right, because of the type of individuals that corny niggas could, 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 you know, could bag. You know what I mean? Like, what drives the animosity for corny dudes? Because they ain't doing nothing that affects you. So, 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 why is another dude's name in your goddamn mouth? That's man, what I'm wondering, Chris. I don't know, man. As as a recovering corny dude, man, I, I just gotta <laughs> say, it's it's um it's a it's really an everyday battle. You know, I was struggling with corny as a young man. You know, my. My mom, she did the best she could to keep me from being corny, but I just love reading books, drinking water. Um, I, I'm not a, the, the most rambunctious individual. I like to keep it low key. You know, uh, I'm not very aggressive in terms of screaming and hollering at people. I'm not, I'm not, a, I, what conflict, I'm not into conflict. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy a nice even, quiet evening in, indoors. And these are all things that are typically seen as corny things, you know, uh, you know, I, I keep to myself. I like I like to do right by the people I'm in a relationship with. Ship with not a lot of drama with me, which is another corny trait. You know, <laughs> so I, I've tried my hardest to present a persona that is more, you know, toxic. That is more uh, engaging and exciting. Only to re- when you realize when you get underneath that, no. 
<laughs> that's not what you're getting here. You know, it looks that way, but it's not, that's not what you're getting. <laughs> I'm, I'm breakfast and bed guy, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I hope you slept well. My good, my good morning is coming with a, Hey, I hope you slept well. That's what, that's my, that's my good morning. You know what I'm saying? My, 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 before I leave, I'm not trying to stay. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to go. Cause I have to make sure that I, you wake up tomorrow and I wake up tomorrow. So we both can be successful. That's what, that's what I do. You know what I'm Aww. saying? That's the, that's the, that's the way I give it up. You know? Uh, so I just want to put it out there like that. Like, you know, get your corny dude, man. Saying you want, what you want is the best of both worlds. You know what I'm saying? You want to recover in corny dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you, want, you want somebody like me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I, I, you I can't paint it. You yeah, can't, can't paint it, man. You know what I'm saying? I subscribe to the ism. I subscribe to the ism, but I'm, I'm not a real practitioner. You know what I'm saying? I, I take in the meat, spit out the bones, and so can you. You know what I'm saying? You hear me? You hear me? <laughs> <laughs> you hear me? You hear me? It's like, nah. <laughs> Ain't my line, though. Uh, but it, it's it's a thing. You just got to keep it like that. Like, I think that's really what it is, man. It's the, the, the things that people hate about toxicity are the same things that they love about those relationships, that passion. The drive, the ups, the high highs, the low lows—they they desire those things. And the people that love that stuff typically are people that are more young-minded. Question then, Chris, because uh, there's one side of this: this is the corny dude, this is Russell Wilson. Which I mean, call him corny—I don't really see it as a negative. It's just something that people call him. All I know is he probably has every single thing you wish you had <laughs> from the sports from the sports players that talk about Russ like this. He's won championships, right? <laughs> From the dudes on the streets. Uh, he got the bag. He got the bread. For the ones looking for that that lady in their life, if they want just one, you know, he has one of them. And she's a hell of a one. She's a hell of a one. So yeah, she's a hell of a one. And he got his kids. And, and you he know, got boys. He got boys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All you girl dads out there, he's stunting on y'all heavy, man. He got like, what, three or four boys? Legendary, man. <laughs> got all the boys la- out there, man. Get your corny dude. You want some son? Get your corny dude, man. All boys. Look at him, man. Champion. And the last piece is, I just saw on social the other day that he's over here, you know, throwing the football to Sierra in front of the White House. So even politically, he's plugged. So when you think about all the facets and fears of his life, the dude got it. He got it. So for me, I think, like, like <laughs> he, he, he's doing his thing, right? And now there's the other side of it. There's Sierra. Chris, you, 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 um, you made me read something before we we turned this episode on. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, 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 I was, I was a little bothered by it. It's dumb. Mostly, mostly, mostly because I, you know, I, like I, I've told people on the podcast, I start every morning setting my intentions. You can call it a prayer, but I set my intentions for the day, right? And it's about what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's about me, right, and how I'm going to engage the world. And at the end of the day, before I go to bed, I say a reflection. Mm. Right. That recounts my whole day. And like Mm. I said, I go through and I see moments where I can tweak it. Right. If I was being a little aggy and got a little upset with air or if I, you know, did something that worked that I, you know, I maybe could have done something a little bit differently or pat myself on the back. Like, yo, dude, you showed up. You did that. Right. Or whatever else happened throughout the day, I do a full reflection and then I recite the same thing around my intention setting. All of this is me centering myself in my universe to say, like, yo, dude, this is your agency. This is this is what you can't control. Sierra's prayer um, has nothing to do with her. <laughs> it's, it's all. What does that have to do with? <laughs> Last week we talked about double standards. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and this could be a little eye coming from me, but that does not mean that I can't. You know, uh, I can't question things, I, mm-hmm. I, and I have questions for this uh, because, again, agency stems from all parties involved, right? That's that's, that's yes. how it's done. So you got this man. Uh, Russell Wilson doing his thing. And you got Sierra coming off of a hell of a breakup with, with your mans, 
uh, future. Deacon future. Uh, <laughs> put some respect on this day. <laughs> Coming off of that, and she writes this prayer uh, with Summer Walker. Summer Walker shares this, I think, at the end of an album. And I don't really know all the words, and I'm not going to read it to you, Chris. I'm not going to read this thing because it's going to infuriate me more. If you want to read it, you can go ahead if you want to. I ain't putting that on here, man. Listen, man, this is what Mike, Mike making this long way there. Hold up, it's a little, it's a little car going past. Hold up. Let me finish then. <laughs> so, Chris, I just want to get to my point now. What does Sierra do? You mean to... this terrorist? She's an emotional terrorist. <laughs> Sierra's prayer is nothing but a list of demands for emotional terrorists. I've never seen something like it. I've never seen anything like it. First thing she starts with is a demand of who? Jesus. And what is the first two, what are the three first four words of this prayer? Jesus, I need you. First of all, the audacity. You don't know if Jesus is busy. There's a war going on in Ukraine. You know what I'm saying? All, are, over, all there, over the globe. There are children being trafficked right now. You think you, but Jesus, you need to stop what you're doing because Sierra needs you. You know what I'm saying? I don't understand it. And this might be a little old for the listeners, whatever. Emotional terrorist, man. Like, I don't understand what she wants, but no, I don't know. She's, an emotional, she she's an emotional terrorist. <laughs> and I know what she wants. It's all about me. You know what I'm saying? It's all about me. 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 She's as the first half of the jank is just demands from Jesus. The God himself. You know, black Jesus from Jesus, man. Just asking for all this stuff. I need you to restore love. I know you can, but I can't do it on my own. I'm tired. Wake me up. You know what I'm saying? Thank you for hearing me. You know what I'm saying? Come with some positive affirmations. Forget all that, man. Then the next thing she asks Jesus is to provide a man that's supposed to be a husband, supposed to be a leader, supposed to be a confidant, supposed to be a therapist, supposed to be her blanket when she cold. You know what I'm saying? Someone's supposed to love her unconditionally. Bro, she don't say nothing like what she going to do for this man, though, to get this man. Mm -hmm. What's she doing to get this man besides being fine? You know, Sierra is attractive. That's definitely. She bad. But she at the bad. same time, you know what I'm saying? What's she bringing to this table other than another dude baby at this point? You know what I'm saying? That's me. <laughs> yeah, really, it might be seen as bad to say that, but that's what she doing, man. She she let my man future turn her into the past. And now she's trying to find a present <laughs> to move forward with. Like, I don't understand, bro. To create a new future. Yeah, trying to create a new future. You know what I'm saying? Now, now Russell Wilson raising future future. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's nuts. That's nuts. And I feel for future in some ways, but other ways I can't because he got like 12 kids, something like that. You know what I'm saying? And that's the real epidemic we need to talk about. Atlanta rappers and how many kids they got. It's a pandemic. It's an true. epidemic of kids. Every Atlanta rapper, once they get popping, I'm having 10 kids. What? When did that become a thing? When I heard Young Thug had 11 kids, I was like, yo, wow. who is out here? No, I don't want no smoke, first of all. <laughs> I know Young Thug is about that life. I am not. I, I am not about that life at all, bro. I don't want no problems. But who's letting you go do that 11 times? <laughs> 11, and they different ages. Like, he got a football, he got a basketball team. You know what I'm saying? He got a Juco team. What we doing? That's nuts. <laughs> That's nuts. Like, Boosie, he got like 10 kids. You know what I'm saying? All these, all the seven rappers got a thousand kids. You know, Jay-Z got two, three. He got a few. He really, he really got two. You know what I'm saying? He really got two, but he he he. You know he got lucky and got twins that one time. He really only wanted two. If we really talking mm -hmm. about it, but he ended up with three. But he got millions and billions. You know what I'm saying? These dudes got hit records. That's all they got. Because <laughs> Shorty Low, I think Shorty Low had like seven kids or something like that. It's crazy out here. Now I will say, Chris, Sierra, Sierra. She's she's an accomplished individual. Yes, she got achievements. She's smart. You know, she's. Loyal, <laughs> committed, right? I'd assume she's a good mother. And, you know, at the very end of the spectrum, she's also gorgeous, 
right? She 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 is the definition of, of 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 a trophy wife if you wanted one, but she actually brought more trophies to the table than a casual trophy wife. Uh, that being said, she don't speak to any of that here. So should I just assume that that's all you know her contributions that she's bringing to the table, even though she don't address any of that shit in this prayer? I think that that's a given. Was here, but it took. I'm going to be coy and say I think her. It took her dating future to realize that's what she wanted. The thing I'm trying to say here, though, is, you know, it's just that people have a type and they end up going for this type until it no longer serves them. And I feel like she was going for this idea of what she thought she wanted until she found what she needed. And that's the real piece of this. And I feel like that's a that's a conversation that we really need to have. But it's a conversation conversation that you and I can't have. I feel like it's a conversation that black women need to have on some platform. Why does it take, you know, you getting smutted out? by somebody for you to realize, yo, I'm moving wrong. I need to go in the opposite direction. And typically when they go in the opposite direction, it's usually ended up in marriage and a happy home and a happy life <laughs> every single mm-hmm. time. <laughs> like I was with a job. I used to only drink drug, drug dealers and I used to always have the run. He used to put, um, you know, he used to put his, his, his weed in my pussy. You know, he used to hide his guns in my house and, you know, I, and all his money was in my ceiling. But, you know, after getting raided five times in two months, I realized that I need to do something different. And that's when I met Mar- um, Maurice. You know, Yo. Maurice is the bank manager, you know, at the at the um, trust bank, at the Truist Bank, um, which was formerly SunTrust. And, you know, and, and then and, and after I met him, I met uh, I met Bob and Bob is a is a security guard for the Piggly Wiggly. And he's just so consistent. He's there for me and little, uh, you know, drug dealer child, you know, because he, he, he gave me a baby before he went away for life for taking lives. He gave me, he left me a baby to raise on my own. And Bob isn't a stepdad, but he's the man who stepped up to be a father to this son. So I think that that's typically what happens. You know, you end up, then you end up trying to salvage what you have left of your youth with some person that you honestly would have never given the time of day in your prime time of your life, you know? So I think there's a conversation that needs to be had about that. Why is that always a thing? Mm. And you're right, man. You're right. We 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 can't be the only ones in the conversation, but I also think we can facilitate it. So, Chris, I think this brings us to a separate topic, but I'm gonna keep this really short. Guest. Yes. Guest. Yes. And so this might be one we need to save for guests because I want to get in on this. We talked about what is love. We did our love series, right? We talked about a handful of things. And now we talked about double standards too. And I think in this case, these would go really hand in hand if we Brought a lady on the podcast. So I'm I'm, I'm gonna plug that one there. Chris, I like what we did this week, man. Uh, yeah. I like what we did. Um, anything you would like to say to wrap it up? Because I know usually that's me, but I want to hand it over to you, Deacon Steph. To wrap, to wrap it up this week, I'm gonna say this, man. For us, by us, man. We did it to ourselves. Black Lives Matter. It's not, it's not their fault. You know what I'm saying? We should have never gave them money. Uh, <laughs> with no plan, no platform. You know, just a platform. No plan, just a platform. And then the third piece, I guess the, the final thing is, man, wrap it up. You know, if you out here fornicating, capitulating, you know, doing some things that you shouldn't be doing without any strings, make sure you wrap it up, man. And if you're not, man, people out here want to pull out game strong, pull out game strong, all this other stuff. Bro, you pull out game strong until your pull out game is wrong. And now you got a baby and you're not ready to be a father. You're not ready to be a mother. And when, it's, when plan A doesn't work, it's always plan B. But what happened when plan B don't work? Like you, you heard about the baby that was born with the Nuva ring in his hand. It had the IED or IUD in his hand when it was born. Wow. Yeah, bro. The world a different place, man. Be safe out here, man. That's the podcast. As, as always, Stiff Works, you know what I'm saying? We're brought to you by Stiff Works. Um, a great 
branding consultancy, creative consultancy that you can contact online, which I own, operate, maintain. Um, head to stiffworks.com, S-T-I-T-H-W-O-R-K-S.com and go ahead and check out your boy's portfolio. And um, if you need some work, I got that work for you because stuff works. And also brought to you, you know, I'll jump it in this time, a little remix for the folks, Velma Jean Studios. Mm-hmm. We work with venture capitalists, philanthropists, small business, for-profit and non-profit around for folks who are creating strategies mm-hmm. and trying to understand how to implement their strategies for their organizations and to measure the impact of those strategies so that that grand vision that you had for your organization is realized. Come over there and work with Velma Jean Studios. We are an impact design studio. We're black owned by no other than himself, your boy, Mike. Um, and we're excited to work with you. So head over to Velma-Jean.com and let's connect. That's the podcast. Wow. Appreciate you, babe. Appreciate you too, man.